Welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host. And here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. And today, being a Saturday, I bring an awesome conversation to you. The great conversationist, Ryan Lampers. Well, I say great conversationist. He has some great topics to talk about, but I also know he really enjoys just being on the mountain and sitting quietly, glassing for animals and watching them, even if he isn't going to pursue them in the end. He is an awesome individual that just loves his family, has faith in what he's doing with raising his kids, loves the fitness of getting outside constantly, and just loves getting outside. They're just an awesome family. So, uh, before we get into the conversation with Ryan, I did want to give a shout out to our show partners. Of course, First Form and First Form Outdoors, guys. If you want anything from protein to a multivitamin to a fish oil to even energy drinks, go check out First Form in the link down below. You get free shipping on everything uh, except for energy drinks. Everything else, you get free shipping. So go check out First Form. And uh, definitely my favorite of the new, if you're an energy drink person, uh, is the Orange Sunrise. Uh, so definitely go check check those out. On top of that, if you are looking at getting into the backcountry, guys, and you need something for your gut outside of greens from First Warm, of course, go check out Alpen Fuel and Heather's Choice. Alpen Fuel makes the best granola hands down in the market, and they are a great family, awesome company to support out of Montana. And Heather's Choice, for any other meals that you may need or want, won't tear up your gut. It'll give you the calories that you need. It'll taste great, and it won't mess you up in the backcountry. So definitely go check out Alpen Fuel and Heather's Choice for your backcountry nutrition needs. Kafaru, definitely Kafaru for your backpack, guys. It is the best weight-carrying backpack and frame that I've ever experienced, and I'm hoping to be packing out some animals here pretty soon with it. So if I haven't already, uh, this, you know, I'm recording this a little bit before the season in the hopes that I will be tagging out all of my tags. So I will get you guys some feedback on how well it performs with actual meat on it. But packing weight around that Kofaru bag is amazing. Uh, get the duplex light frame and then call their customer service if you have any questions on what bag to go with for your needs. Go check out kafaru.net. Black Ovis and blackovis.com. Go check out Black Ovis for anything from boots to optics to clothing, uh, everything that you need for accessories. Definitely go check out Black Ovis. They even have an arrow builder if that's your thing, uh, having someone build your arrows for you. Go check out Black Ovis at the link down below and save some money. And, well, Get your gear for the year, guys. It's a little late by the time you're listening to this if you're out for, for elk season, but you're always looking for new gear, so go check out blackovis.com. All in digiscoping. Allin.co is the website. And all in, just Nathan from All In, he is the guy that just created a solution to a problem with digiscoping. Go save some money with the code Redbeard and get you some good footage this year while you're up on the mountain chasing animals or for future years as you're up there scouting. So go check out allin.co, use code REDBEARD, save 10%, and get free shipping. Absolute Aid CBD. The Absolute Aid CBD chewables are THC-free. They're great. My favorite is the Relief Formula for days after a hard day's training. Definitely go check out Absolute Aid CBD. They also have a topical ointment if you're uh, wanting to massage it into maybe some sore joints or muscles. Uh, go check them out. Affect Beard, get some beard oil, get some beard butter, support the local guy here in Utah. I love it. It smells great. It keeps the skin moisturized up underneath the beard. No more itchy beard. And for the beard butter, if you're wanting to make it shaped up a little bit and look nice. So go check out affectbeard.com. All right, guys. Now that we've gone over the show partners, let's get into the awesome conversation that I had with Ryan Lampers. Mountain man is what I'm going to call him. Here he is. All right, everyone. Got an awesome guest here, Ryan Lampers. He carved some time out of his busy schedule and when he's not on the mountain to uh, to chat with us here and share a little bit about his lifestyle. Um, I've you know been follow following Ryan for a while and uh, love all those backcountry adventures. But what interested me even more was his family life 
and uh, how he balances that when he's not chasing bear, elk, deer, and whatever else you chase up on the mountain. Um, but Ryan, give a give a little brief intro for those that may not know you. Who who are you, and what's your what are you passionate about? Okay. Yeah. Well, first off, I really appreciate you having me on here. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I love getting to talk a little bit about not necessarily myself, but hunting, uh, hunting is, is one of those discussions that I'm always happy to, happy to have. So my name is Ryan Lampers. Gosh, passionate about hunting, fishing outdoors. Obviously my family, um, raising two young girls in a, in a crazy world today. So we all have our challenges with that. I live in Montana, grew up in Washington State, uh, spent 44 years in Washington State and uh, couldn't get out of there quick enough. Finally, was convinced by my wife that that we could make it in Montana and that's what we're doing. Um, Probably the best move I've ever made was was just that, was... uh, risking it all and, and coming here to the great state. And this is uh, where we'll probably spend the rest of our days. That's awesome. I've heard, I've heard similar things and uh, it sounds like you need to get Dan out of Washington, go get his wife convinced <laughs> Dan Staten. Cause uh, I know he's trying yeah. to get out of there too. <laughs> I'm really surprised Dan hasn't just hopped up and over into Idaho at least, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think uh, family first with Dan as well. And um, I think he's, He's thought everything through and I, he doesn't hunt the, the state of Washington much, but unfortunately he lives there now. He does live in probably the the better part of the state mm-hmm. versus where yeah. I was uh, growing up on the uh, West Coast there. So. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, well, that that's awesome. I haven't personally been up to Montana. Um, I'm planning on going up this year and, and checking it out. And I've just heard amazing things. It looks beautiful, uh, big open country. And I was hoping to make it up to big sky, but uh wasn't able to this year. So, um, that that's pretty sweet. So talk to us here a little bit about, um, first off, how did you get started in, I don't think I've ever heard your origin story of just the outdoors in general. Obviously you grew up on the West coast. It's a lot more outdoorsy than most places out East, but, um, where, where did it all start for you? Oh, started as a, just a, you know, boy growing up, uh, with parents that loved the outdoors. My dad, especially he, um, he was a farm kid, you know, with five brothers and sisters uh, on a dairy farm. We're a Dutch family. So we we come from Whidbey Island out there. Actually, that's where my folks um, grew up. And my dad was always just a nut when it came to fishing. Eh, hunting, yes, but more bird hunting. It wasn't as much big game stuff. Now, he grew up big game hunting, but it wasn't his, uh, probably his big passion, which is, is more fishing and, and bird hunting. So... I grew up doing a ton of that. Um, we probably did more pheasant, quail, chucker hunts than, I don't know. I still have a hard time catching up on the big game hunts uh, with as many bird hunts as I did in my youth. But we did that a lot in Washington, chasing chuckers, which was a real, real challenge, I th- I'd say, in some of the roughest uh, environments. So that was a ton of fun. But, um, you know, my uncles hunted. My, my grandparents were both into fishing and all that outdoors. And so, yeah, I was very fortunate to have a father who um, got me into it. And he was, uh, he was my mentor when I started out. That's awesome. So uh, you're not so much a bird hunter anymore. You're more a big game nowadays. No, you have to pick and choose, right? You got to to cut some things out and, and, you know, fishing was my world for most of my life. And uh, I've chopped a lot of that out to, you know, it's kind of taking a backseat to a lot of these big game pursuits that we're we're doing now. And I'd say in the last, you know, 15 years. But prior to that, it was a lot of bird hunting uh, mixed with, you know, obviously deer and elk and all that stuff. But I had to I had to kind of cut some of that stuff out. And unfortunately, I have three bird dogs and so they're getting neglected. They're not getting the uh, the trips in, uh, except for a few in December at this point when I'm not chasing chasing um deer elk bear all the big game animals that's awesome so you pretty much grew up in the outdoors you know lo- loving to hunt you know the smaller game and fish um you know i did you do more fly fishing or what was your kind of fishing that you were into both um so <clears throat> i am not a purist in any form with anything outdoors 
Uh, I love fly fishing. In fact, I guided fly fishing, fly fishermen for years and years and years. Um, I guess nine years altogether. Various trips from lakes to Alaska to Russia and spent a lot of my time, you know, working with guys, getting them to be better at fly fishing. Whether that's two-handed rods, spay, spay fishing, or, or just lake stuff, and two-handed rods, or just single. Um, you know, that's that's uh that's been a big passion of mine you know forever and then you know i i kind of grew up on the other side of it the bait world um which was my family business uh in fact my dad started out raised baits that was that was his business after he got out of construction and so he was pumping sand tramp off the beaches of washington and that turned into a very large business, uh, in fact, and it's still still cranking out tons of bait over there. So um, definitely on that side as well. Um, that was my I took over that business for quite a few years. And so we sold bait up and down the coast, a lot of herring, sardines, anchovies, all those frozen type baits and then sand shrimp, salmon row, all the stuff. Um, and that kept me busy, but definitely tried to make sure I never got too snobby when I got into the fly fishing world. Um, that was one thing that definitely turned me off to it. I got so deep, you know, in the guiding aspects of fly fishing, especially doing these, these places like Russia, you get the high upper crust and same with Alaska on a lot of those rivers, you know, you get a very elitist attitude sometimes. And it was unfortunate. Um, I try to avoid that and it really turned me off to it for a while as much as I love fly fishing um, as I loved it back then. And I do today, the one thing that drives me crazy and makes me go the opposite direction is when I get around a bunch of snobs talking about it's, this is the only way you do it. And you're less than a human if you do it this other way. Um, and that is translated into bow hunting as well. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I try not to be snobby. I love bow hunting, but I also love a good rifle hunt, muzzleloader hunt. Um, those are some of the hardest hunts that that we take on and, and challenge our, ourselves with every year. It's definitely not some of the bow hunts. I feel like those are a lot easier. Um, so I like I like to do both and uh, try not to be uh, too much of an elitist. Yeah, no, and I I love that idea because there's so many different approaches to it. And and the way that I you know try and talk to people about it is just get outside. Like for me, unless you're torturing an animal, you know, um, I don't care how you go and fish. I don't care how you go shoot your bow. If you prefer a long bow over a compound, awesome. You've got more skill than me because, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I like to reach out and touch things at a hundred yards at tack. You know, that's my, yeah, that's yeah. what gets me happy. Not just 40 yards with a, you know, if you can hit 40 yards with a long bow, um, you know, things like that, but it, it's all. I love what you're saying about not being an elitist because that can turn a lot of people off of getting outdoors and fly fishing. Like I am a terrible fly fisherman, but there's, but I love the action. Mm -hmm. I love, you know, that even if you're not catching anything, seeing the fly sit on the water and then, you know, casting it back and forth. I don't even know the terms, but um, the first time I caught a trout off a fly, I was like, okay, this is it. Like, I might've cast a thousand times before that. I finally caught one, but, but yeah. uh, you know, it's fun. And and that's just what I want people to do is just to, to understand that even people like you that have had years and years and years of experience in the outdoors, understand the importance of just having someone introduced to it. And if you'd rather do a rod and a reel, go that way. If you'd rather fly fish, go that way, you know, and, and just getting outside. I love that. Yeah. I think, uh, I think as sportsmen, you know, it's easy to fall into these little cults, these little groups of people <laughs> who get that elitist mentality. Uh, I see it. I see it in bow shops a lot. Um, I avoid bow shops for the most part. Um, there's some good ones, yeah. but there's also some ones that I would never send a new hunter in there because the holier than thou attitude that some of those guys spew in bow shops drives me bonkers. Same with fly shops. So, I don't know why people go that direction. I feel like we're all in this just to have some fun, um, challenge ourselves if you want to, and um, you know, have a good time. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't poo-poo anybody who does it differently. I, I don't think anybody should. Yeah. Uh, there's guys that want to bow hunt. Fantastic. There's guys that aren't there yet that that 
or will never be there. They just prefer to rifle hunt. Great. Do that. Um, it gets all weird when you start saying I'm better than you because I do it this way. <laughs> yep. Or I shoot this versus that. It's funny because so coming from the, the gun world of, you know, Glocks versus or Glocks versus SIG, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get into rifles and it's like, oh, I need this specialty round to do this and that. And then you go from that to the bows and it's like, oh, Hoyt versus Matthews versus PSE. I'm like, what about which one feels better to you? That's why there is a free market. You know, that's why you do you do have so many options. So I, I love that um, that approach. And uh, that's pretty awesome. So um, before we delve, because I, I definitely want to talk to you about hunting and all that. Um, but let's talk about maybe a little bit more of your your home life. Um, and things that you guys do at home, because I'm really interested. I have a terrible green thumb. It's more mm. of a brown thumb, especially here in Utah where it's so dry. And uh, mm. this year they told us we couldn't water as much. And so my garden didn't last very long. Um, but what what are like what are some things that you do with your family? And then kind of why did you go this approach of, I mean, I'd consider it homesteading. You guys have some pretty awesome stuff going on there. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, it's... um. You know, getting the garden going, uh, getting into that lifestyle, food preservation, chickens, all those hippy dippy things, you know, I, I love every part of them. Um, food preservation has been something that I've been really passionate about. Anything from canning to freeze drying to dehydrating. Um, and I feel like that that is married to hunting as well as gardening. You know, I like building my own meals for trips and you grow, you know, it doesn't have to be a monster garden, just be a decent little, you know, you could have a couple of, you know, raised beds or whatever and get some good greens and <clears throat> utilize that stuff and some meals that you're making for hunts. I think it just all kind of like goes together. So, um, again, I will go back to my roots, my, uh, my family, a bunch of farmers, um, dairy, yes, but the farming bug was in them and growing things uh growing trees you know fruit orchards um crops is all in their blood so my father was heavily into gardening now i can honestly say when i was a kid and i had the skycomas river parked over here that i could zip down to and go chase steelhead all day or i could pick rocks and weeds in a garden it was no contest like i absolutely despised gardening it didn't make sense to me so my dad took care of the garden. Um, I was anti-garden in my youth. And then, you know, he wisened up when you get 20 plus, somewhere in their 20s. I feel like he wisened up a little bit. And uh, all those things that I had learned by watching him um, started making a lot more sense. So, you know, I married my wife. We, uh, we got a little place out in the town of Granite Falls, Washington, and had a great area for gardening. We turned started small and it just grew into a monster uh turned a patch into a into a garden had a lot of berries and, and some fruit trees and things like that in our yard we only had a half acre but you can grow so much food on a half acre it's it's unbelievable um you, you will need to get into food preservation methods if you want to try to you know not throw 90 percent of your food away um and so we got into got into the gardening it uh it bit us good. I, I was really into it, <clears throat> you know, growing everything I possibly could. I was growing things that I didn't even like to eat, you know. Um, but I, it just, it kind of just got a hold of me. I love growing things. And then, um, you know, from there, we had 20 years of incredible uh, area to garden with the right climate, long growing seasons over there, uh, very moderate temperatures, not big swings. Uh, fast forward to where we are here in Montana, um, similar to what you have going on down there in Utah. It's very dry, hot, hot summers. Um, you know, we get our first freeze often in first of September. So, you know, peppers and tomatoes don't do real good unless you started them well in advance or you, um, you know, you need to ripen them up in your house or whatever. So a lot more challenges uh, that we face here in Montana versus what we had in Washington state for sure. Uh, and yet, you know, they're all doable. They're all manageable. It's just how much time do you want to dedicate to it? So I've got a lot of plans, a lot of projects um, yet to tackle with the garden. You know, like this year we have several boxes filled. I think I got 15 raised beds out there 
Um, we didn't go hog wild this year. I just had too many things going on with our businesses and, and, um, hunting trips and things like that. But, um, yeah, the gardening part of it is, is huge. It's, it's a big part of our life and getting my daughters to figure it out, know how to do it, know how to raise their own, um, grow their own, kill their own. Um, you know, it's, I feel like it's just a good lifestyle. And then the food preservation part, um, you know, we got, we've been running dehydrators for years and years and years, and it's a great way to preserve greens. You know, you can make these green powders for green drinks and smoothies and, and berries as well. So, you know, we'll, we'll dehydrate all these berries and then powder them and, you know, make these just mason jars full of raspberry powder, whatever. And, uh, it sounds a little like Betty homemaker or whatever, but it, I love doing it. Like it's one of my favorite things to do is just have all these Mason jars full of um, now freeze dried foods or dehydrated foods or meals that I can just add water to. And so that's, um, that's kind of what we do. We focus a lot on that. Our life revolves around food one way or the other. I like it. I like it. And I, I would agree. It's, it's something that's definitely um, not understood. You know, I'm not, as I probably don't have freezers full of meat like you do, I, I'm not as successful or go on as many hunts, but um, I've got enough that where, I mean, I, was it a year ago or something like that when meat just started to spike in pricing and people, I heard everyone at work talking about it. And I was like, what? And I realized we only buy meat for like big roasts or things like that for when we have family over. And even then we, we usually go to a local butcher and split a cow with someone um, just cause we love supporting local and, and everything like that. So I didn't notice it. And, and that was kind of where it kind of clicked for me. It was like, okay, I'm not the best gardener food preservation, but I'd love to get into that. Eventually I started building up my food stores a little bit more and, uh, and, and definitely the meat, you know, prepping a little bit better. So I could be more successful during the hunting season. Um, you know, all of those things are, are definitely overlooked and I love that you get your kids involved in it as well. Um, that's a big thing for me too, that, uh, the whole reason, well, one of the main reasons I started Redbeard Outdoors was uh, because I was in an office setting where people just felt overwhelmed with just the nine to five. And then they go home, they have kids and they feel like they can't do anything with kids. They love their kids, but they feel like they're kind of holding them back. And I love finding people like yourself that that don't let that happen. And instead, you're you take pride in teaching them these homemaker abilities or going out and hunting, which. I love what I, when I've watched the videos and I think it was last year's hunt where you had your wife and I think your oldest daughter, um, mm -hmm. on the hunt and, yeah. and more than anything, the, the point where you hear so many people that are like, okay, take the shot, take the shot, take the shot. And you were in her ear saying, if this isn't the one you want, you don't have to take it. Mm -hmm. And you were just so calm. And I felt like that gave her that better experience um, yeah. and for, for children, that's huge for mentorship in general. That's huge. So talk a little bit about that. How do you get to that where you want to share that with your kids for people that maybe feel like their kids kind of hold them back during hunting season? How do you get your kids involved? What's the way that you do that without forcing them? Yeah. <clears throat> and that was, um, you know, we, we had kids a little later in life, obviously. Um, gosh, I'm 48. I think I'm 48 right now. So, you know, my oldest is 13 um, and then my youngest is seven. So uh, great ages. Uh, my oldest daughter, like you mentioned in that hunt um, a couple years ago, you know, that was something that um, she asked me to do. You know, uh, when it comes to hunting, you know, when you have kids, I think you're all excited about, gosh, I can't wait till I get to take them out. But, you know, Hill and it, my wife, Hill and myself, we had a lot of conversations and, you know, <clears throat> I couldn't care less if my kids hunt. <laughs> I really, I don't care. Great. If they do, we'll have some fun with it. Um, but, but definitely made it a point not to push it on them too early. I think doing that, you can spoil them, uh, number one, um, and they don't respect it as much. Uh, I know my father, like when I was real young, like he, he held out on me, like he would go to these trips and all I'd get to do is hear about them. So he actually wasn't taking me, um, you know, on those trips prior to me getting my hunter safety card and all that jazz, but just hearing the stories, having him gone for the weekend, 
coming back Sunday night, hearing the stories about, you know, chasing this here and there or whatever and all these hikes. Um, that amped me up and it got me excited about wanting to do it. <clears throat> Who knows what, what would have happened if you would have been taking me out on those trips and I would have just gotten spoiled as a youth. I don't know. But it was definitely a concern when we had kids, like um, definitely not going to push it on them. I'll, if, if they see something in it from the stories that I tell them and they want to come out and do it, great, great, we'll go do it. Um, but, for example, like my, my daughter, when she was eight, <clears throat> she did a hunt with me. We were going out for a hike. I had a bear tag in my pocket and I turned this into a bear hunt, I guess. I wasn't really sure how far we'd get on this trip. We were going to do some berry picking and, you know, uh, she's got her little list of things she wants to check off, her little treasure list, you know, checklist, things she wants to see. So we had a goal to do that, but I also had a bear tag in my pocket. And um, so we hiked way up in there and and uh, so we did, ended up doing just over nine miles that one day. She's eight years old, you know, so there's a lot of coaxing, a lot of snacks and a lot of conversations to keep her mind off of it and the uh the little you know checklist of things that she wanted to see kept her focused as well like oh we got to find um you know a certain feather or hawk feather we got to find see a mountain ghost we got to get up there just all these little things that kept her, her mind going well long story short we ended up getting a great bear um and then she got to see that whole process uh she got to see me shoot it and we broke it down and she got to pack a little bit out and we got to do the night hike coming out of there. You know, she did 20 miles in two days for an eight year old. So that's impressive. Um, yeah, she did very, very well. And, um, and I felt like Nate, geez, I might've overdone it just because of the, how far it was, but it was a couple years later. Um, she came to me and asked me about wanting to come do a hunt and thought, well, I will make this the best possible scenario for you try to keep it comfortable and uh, no pressure it's all her so then you get to have that fun experience of like you know teaching them how to shoot a rifle really well and you get to spend you know the end of the days out there an hour here an hour there working with them on the rifle and and that was fun and she's just one heck of a shot um you know i think ladies in general are just incredible shots they're better than we are but she took to that and she doesn't know what missing is like because she never misses anything that she's shooting at target or otherwise. And uh, yeah, we, we set that trip up and definitely, you know, I, my wheels were turning how I wanted this hunt to go praying for not the worst of weather. You know, you don't want to ruin them with some cruddy weather. Um, and we went out and, and she crushed that hunt and she did well and she got to pick out the deer she wanted and, we didn't force anything on her. I mean, I could, she could have not pulled the trigger on anything. It still would have been a success. My wife came with us on that one and, and it was just a great trip. And yeah, we made a video of it and it's, it's pretty cool to see um, what happens in the end after she does, you know, pass on a, a buck that maybe most first hunters would take. Uh, it was, yes. it was <laughs> sure. And then, then she ended up getting this old, uh, you know, um, buck that, I'd seen prior the prior year and he was already a regress that prior year. So now he was even another year regressed and just a cool old buck to take. And she did incredibly well, made a perfect shot. Now she's ruined for the rest of her hunting career. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and fast forward to this last season, we did a similar hunt and she just crushed it really another nice big mature mule deer. And she passed on quite a few bucks on that trip and uh, came down to the end and and she, I mean, very last day and she, she hammered a really nice buck, but, you know, I think for, you know, I have a, a seven-year-old as well. I don't know if she's going to take to hunting. No idea. Don't care. But what we do, uh, do a lot of, and is we go out and we do these short trips, just these fun little trips and hunting isn't necessarily the reason we're going out there. We're just going for a walk on the river, but then, you know, we'll inevitably take, you know, a little whether it's a pistol or a 22 or a shotgun and we'll do these little trips for porcupines porcupines and bunnies are are hunts that are so easy for the kids and, and people uh, don't realize this and i figured this out just from following your stuff that you can eat porcupine meat in a stew oh absolutely yeah, yeah. no they're great they're uh real fatty um if you go back like 
the mountain men used to love porcupines because they're high fat. Number one, they don't even need a bullet if you don't want them. I mean, they're slow as molasses and they don't, they don't run from you. So, <laughs> um, you know, we've, we've taken on the porcupine hunts, um, back in, in Washington state, we had these Russian olives that were everywhere. We'd find porcupines all the time. So we started taking them with the kids and bringing them back, um, you know, skinning them out, dropping them in a crock pot and just making these really nice fatty stews. And that's just the tradition now. So every Christmas Eve, we go out and do porcupine hunts and then New Year's we do some porcupine hunts, just local stuff. And, and we always get a, a porky or two and yeah, we cook them up, make a meal and mm. a real easy kind of fun hunt for kids. It's not physically demanding. Um, you get to see a lot of stuff walking river bottoms and you know, you're looking for like two marks on the trees and then, you know, you're getting close to a porcupine. So the kids get excited and, um, you get to show them, you know, buck rubs and just all kinds of stuff. It's just a, a good learning lesson being in river bottoms in the wintertime, you know, tracking things in the snow and stuff like that. So it's not really a big hunt, but my, my youngest daughter, she, she has done enough of those little hunts that she's getting excited about, you know, maybe doing what her big sister has done and go out and get a deer sometime or a bear or something like that so that's awesome you know and there's some nuggets in there that i i want to point out too because uh you know i've noticed this too with the kids and my youngest son is very what would be classified as adhd you know he's very uh high energy high intelligence wants to question everything and so i'm like i'm trying not to get that out of him because one day that's going to be beneficial but right now it's annoying <laughs> and uh and so but I, I love what you said about having a checklist now did is that something she came up with or did you suggest it and she put the list up or how, how did you guys work that out all right pardon the interruption here guys before we get into how he came up with the checklist here with his daughter which is an awesome idea that's a good golden nugget for you guys you parents out there uh, I want to invite you to go and visit Redbeard's Fit Crew. Redbeard's Fit Crew, just it's growing every single day. I'm loving seeing the community grow. People are forming friendships there that may be overwhelming on Instagram or these other bigger groups uh, to just find people that you're truly passionate about the same things or even other families to go hiking with in your area. Uh, I'm loving seeing the, the community grow in that way. So go check out Redbeard's Fit Crew. The link is down below. It's just all about same things we talk about here on the podcast, just a little bit more personalized and you can form better relationships with people that you would have never met otherwise. And that's one great thing that I love about social media is that you can take advantage of it for good things like creating good friendships that are based on healthy things such as, again, bettering your health, becoming more successful, getting outside as much as possible and giving each other feedback on things that maybe you've experienced in the past. So Redbeard's Fit Crew. And then the other group that I would highly recommend and personally invite you to is First Form Outdoors. We are loving how that community is growing as well. Everything from fishing to backpacking to hiking to hunting. Anything outdoors, if you're into bettering your health, getting outdoors as much as possible, go check out First Form Outdoors group as well. Links down below, guys. Go answer the couple questions. Let them know Redbeard sent you over there, and uh, we'll be good to go. Other than that, guys, let's get back to the conversation with Ryan Lampers and the Golden Nugget about helping his daughter form a checklist to enjoy the outdoors. No, I suggested it. You know, okay. just thinking ahead, like, um, what is going to keep her mind going forward? Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, I wish I remembered everything on the checklist, the little, you know, treasure hunt list that I made for her. But yeah, it was seeing certain things. It was, you know, catching a cutthroat, picking huckleberries, um, a certain shape rock, you know, just seeing a bear, you know, all these different things. There's like 20 things on the list and we check almost every box on this, on this long extended hike in. So, um, kept her mind working, thinking ahead, yeah. you know, that plus snacks and, uh, and your kids can go probably farther than you think. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I, I didn't even think about the checklist. Um, we've done like geocaching things when we go on hikes that are kind of better trails, um, and the kids love that, uh, but definitely snacks and, and water, um, is another big thing too, that I've noticed, but that checklist, that's, that's a golden nugget right there. Um, yeah. I love that for any of you guys out there with kids, that's something that you should definitely, and obviously have them. I mean, you knew the area, right? So you were kind of guiding the, the checklist 
but she helped make it. So have the kids help contribute because like maybe something you think they'd be interested in, they're not interested in finding, but, right. you know, kind of give some ideas and get their brain working. So I, I think that's awesome. That's a really good idea. Yeah. And one thing that we've added lately with my little um, seven-year-old is we just put a camera in her hand. And so I gave her an old can camera and um, she carries that around her neck and she's now constantly looking ahead at things. You know, there's a flower, or there's a chipmunk or whatever. So keeps her really like her, her mind going and busy and not just the monotonous, you know, mm-hmm. hike down a trail that we're all accustomed to. Um, but boy, I tell you, the camera thing has been real slick getting my daughter to hike miles with us because um, she's always looking for something cool, whether it's like an old cabin in the woods or, you know, how a tree lays out or whatever. And so she's snapping shots constantly. That's now really it's not cool. the quickest way up the mountain by any stress because mm-hmm. a lot of photos getting taken, but <laughs> um, she loves it. So that's where you get your Instagram content from, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely not my skills with a camera. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that, that's really cool. You know, I, I love hearing about that because again, that's the side that a lot of people don't see, like you guys put out some amazing videos, but I'm always interested in like, how do you balance that out with family life? Cause there never really is a, a true balance. Um, I love that idea of tipping the scales, you know, during hunting season, when you're gone for so much, you're obviously not putting a ton of time into your family, but when you're home, you're there and you're present, you're 100% and you're not forcing them to do stuff that they don't want to do. They just see that dad's doing these awesome things. I want to try it too. And, uh, and these little small kind of coaxing or, or guiding, uh, to see what they like without, you know, cause if, if you force a kid to do anything, it's never, it never ends well. And whether yeah. that's making them eat dinner yeah. or read a book they don't want to read or go out. Well, and-, I, and I tell you, like, I got opinions on that. Like there's certain things like hunting and fishing. I don't force anything on them, but I will say I still do want my kids to do hard things. Like for example, track, um, she's, uh, she's involved in track. Now there's some events that she hates they're hard events because they mm-hmm. make the body hurt, you know, like running the mile hates it. Mm-hmm. So I make her do it because she can do, she, you know, she can do the other events, um, the high jump and the hurdles and stuff with ease and not even hardly break a sweat. It's easy for her. But, um, I, I, I want to make her do hard things that she has to kind of prepare for and keep up with. So if she's not running the mile, throughout the summer it's really going to suck come track season again mm-hmm. um and so there's there's a few things that I, I i force her to do just because they're a little bit uncomfortable but definitely uh when it comes to fun things like hunting fishing and those type things i, I want to kind of play at her speed for those right yeah and i definitely agree with that as well that there's certain things and it's not that you're forcing them necessarily and you know maybe it feels like that at the time but you're showing them what they're capable of because you know that's what they're capable of, right? Um, you know, hunting, fishing, that's definitely a hobby, but something that they've already shown interest in, like track. You're like, well, let's push it a little bit further, right? Um, and, and so I, I I definitely agree with you on that, that that's something that us as parents, like I think a lot of people have that misconception that we're supposed to be their best friend. Mm-hmm. And that's not a that's not your job. And I remind my kids of that whenever I'm coming, I turn, turn to mean dad, you know, and, uh, and that's what they call it is mean dad. And, and, uh, when I make them do stuff that they don't necessarily want to do, like clean up from dinner, right. I want my kids to leave this house knowing that boys do house chores, just like girls do. Right. Like that's going to make a healthy marriage down the road. Um, and, and even before that, it's going to make happy roommates. Right. So (laughs) uh, stuff like that. And, and that's, that's stuff that, you know, isn't fun. That's the unfun part of parenting. Um, but it definitely, your kids will look back on that later and, and they'll say, I I appreciate that dad or mom pushed me a little bit further than what my comfort zone is. Cause let's be honest, if everyone wanted to be comfortable, you just sit back and play video games or scroll through TikTok, Instagram, all that all day. Um, you know, and that wouldn't create any, any sort of society for anyone. So, so So that's great. Exactly. And the the phones for sure. We got, we got a lot of good opportunities out there these days. And, you know, all these kids, it's, man, I mean, they got it much better than we did with as far as just opportunities. And, um, you know, when we moved here to Montana, I feel like it's a giant playground, you know, we can end of the day after work, just 
zip down and canoe down the one of the local rivers here and just grab you know a few miles doing that see a lot of wildlife and things like that and um yeah we we try to choose that every time over don't do the video game stuff and uh, try to avoid that as much as possible exactly yeah exactly and my the only time my kids get screen time is like right now when I need them to be quiet and out of my hair. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, well, we use them for sure. Like long drives, especially yep. you know, if I'm driving back. He's to... looking out my window. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man. Oh, that that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, what you're passionate about uh, mm-hmm. outside of family homemaking. And now what the season that's coming up here soon, what are some uh, maybe some hunts that you're looking forward to, or maybe uh, a hunt or two that you'd like to highlight that you've, uh, that you really enjoyed in the past? Gosh, you know, every season is a little bit different. And, um, man, Jonathan, I am very fortunate to be able to take the time, um, these days and do all these trips. You know, we, um, didn't used to be the case, you know, used to have to, um, really fight for time, you know, holding down the, the business and all that. And uh, somehow, some way I found myself in a position where I, I got much more time to spend in the mountains, which is great. Um, but I like what you said, you know, it, it, when you have a family, um, if you do spend as much time as, you know, a hundred plus days, like I do on the mountain, you sure as heck better be present with your kids when you are home. Um, you know, trying to avoid the phone yourself and, and doing all that and just spending as many, you know, having as many experiences as you can. Um, and we are very fortunate living here to be able to do that. So I don't feel like I'm shorting my kids on activities or fun, even though I am gone a lot in the fall season. Um, you know, this year lays out definitely way different than last year. Last year, somehow I found myself with too many elk tags in my pockets. Just one of those years where I drew a, um, I had my home state tag of Montana and then, um, you know, I drew, um, a couple others and that wasn't expected. And so there was a lot of elk hunting last year, early archery stuff. And then, um, this year, uh, my daughter expressed that she wanted to try to get her first bear. So we have changed, um, basically a lot to kind of dedicate our time to looking for her first fall bear. So we're going to, we're going to, um, carve out a couple weeks while she's out of school and we're going to go chase bears and see what we can do. Great time with the kids. Um, you know, in August where you can catch some fish and there's some high mountain lakes. Um, who knows where the berries are going to be this year, if they're going to be ripe or not. Everything's a little late with the snowpack, but, um, yeah, so we got a couple weeks spent with her trying to, um, tag some fall bears, which is one of my favorite, um, hunts. One of my favorite meats. One of my favorite meals is, is just bear period. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you add on the fall bear aspect. Usually they're already, they're pretty carb loaded in the fall versus the spring. So you get a lot of, you know, that fat that you can play with and render and, and all that jazz and jar up, put that in your mason jars. So that's a cool aspect of the fall hunt as well. Um, and after that, gosh, uh, decided to well, go to Alaska. We're, we're taking a trip to Alaska for some moose and caribou this year, which has always been something I just put on the back burner. You know, I've never, I've never myself hunted moose um, in Alaska or caribou. Always so focused on just all the over-the-counter stuff here, you know, between Idaho and Montana. But this year, finally decided out nobody's going to pull my tag for one of these oil once-in-a-lifetime moose tags. So I'm going to go up there and um my buddy and i are going to head up and and just do a grab our tags once we get up there and and go do a float and hunt moose and caribou and that chews up a lot of september so there's not going to be a whole lot in the way of elk hunting this year um now we do have montana gives us till um the mid part of october to chase them around with the bow so we'll have some october time to go chase elk with the bow which is is always fun um and then after that, after uh, Montana elk season, gosh, it turns to high country mule deer with the rifle. And we try to get um, as adventurous as possible when we do those hunts. And I'll be honest, I think when I look at, at you know, the, the early archery stuff is awesome. You know, love chasing 
velvet bucks in the in the high country early. Um, you know, elk season is awesome. Love elk hunting. It, it screaming, bull screaming in, um, up close and personal. I'm talking but about then, up close and personal, real quick. That little four yard shot that I that you just mm-hmm. put out that video. Oh my gosh, yeah, you could have licked your like, arrow, man. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a great hunt. Um, real close shot that made it easy. Um, but then you look at you know the late season stuff, you know, which I consider just chasing old mature mule deer in the high country. I love that time of year. The weather's nasty. Hopefully, it's nasty cold temps and you got bucks coming off the tops of the mountains and those real, you know, secluded areas. Um, you know, you get these migrations and I just love everything that that late season brings. I feel like it's the most challenging hunt that I'm going to do all year. It far out performs the early archery mule deer hunts with a bow, in my opinion, when it comes to difficulty, um, challenge, you know, you're facing weather conditions that you don't tend to face in, in August or September. And I like everything about it. You know, sometimes you go in and it's 60 degrees and you come out and it's minus 15 degrees. You know, things just change drastically. So every year I would say if, I, if there's a couple of hunts that I look forward to the most, besides the one with my daughter this year, as we as we look, you know, to try to take her first bear. Those late season mule deer hunts with a rifle in my hand are, are probably my favorite. I was going to, you beat me to the question because I was going to ask you that. Knowing the answer, I mean, I think you've expressed it multiple times in videos and in posts that I've seen. Um, but that that seems to be your kind of your your go-to, you know. And and I don't know if it's, it's funny to me because you see going back to kind of the different groups of people, you see people that absolutely love mule deer. You see people that absolutely love elk, right? Sure. And and I'm somewhere in between right now, um, personally, because I, I haven't had enough experience with the late season high country rifle, you know, mule deer that which it seems like people like yourself that are super, uh, they just really enjoy the mule deer hunts. That's the time of year that they love it versus yeah. archery elk. And for me, being so big into bows right now, that's kind of where I'm leaning because I love that interaction with the elk they're just big majestic creatures that it it pisses me off that they can walk through brush and not make a sound yet i'm yeah. over here a quarter of their weight walking through and i make a step and i make all the sound in the world um yeah. that's where i'm at right now but i know eventually i'd love to do hunts like that where you go up in the late season and you just glass and you find those old crusty uh mule deer bucks that are just up there that you guys seem to portray so well i mean your videography photography stuff that you guys do um it makes you feel like you're in camp when when you're watching those videos i think it's awesome uh what you guys do up there but so is there something specific about i mean you mentioned some other things about the hunt but mule deer in general that you love so much yeah absolutely yeah, and it's funny, like we we all joke around, you know, hope nobody takes it too seriously when we say, you know, mule deer are the best, even though they are. <laughs> um, it's half joking. You know, we all love elk hunting, um, love bear hunting. Um, and we, you know, I don't whitetail hunt, but I, I do make fun of whitetail hunters all the time. But again, <laughs> it's just in jest. I'm just, I'm just. I couldn't see you sitting in a tree stand. like I, No, I, I couldn't. Just... <laughs> That's why I make fun of whitetail hunters. <laughs> Or over water. Um, it's just just not not something that we you're, you're gonna come up with the way to spot and stalk whitetail. That's what you're that's your yeah. next adventure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I it because the problem is, Jonathan, is is on that day that I'm spotting and stalking whitetail, I should probably be spotting and stalking a mule deer, which are oh, way cool. Well, yeah, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, like elk hunting, for example, I mean, who doesn't love the rush of elk hunting? And, you know, I cut my teeth in calling in elk in places like North Idaho, thick country. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, they can be five yards in front of you. You can still hardly see but a patch of brown, you know, and that thick, those thick alders and just dense type country. That's a ton of fun. Um, and man, it's, you know, having a bull screaming in is, is a blast. Now, uh, I think when it comes to mule deer, if I was to put them on this 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 list of like what's going to be the hardest, most challenging, and bring you to the best of places, like 
the top of the hill, um, the gnarliest and nastiest of places that, um, you know, get yelled puckered up in, at times. It's going to be mule deer every time, I feel like. Uh, they're just, especially the old crusty ones, you know, the old mature bucks. I feel like they are the hardest to locate and then take, whether that's with a bow or a rifle, um, much harder than elk. You know, it can irritate elk hunters, but I feel like elk hunting with a bow is so much easier. Um, so <laughs> oh, much some people are going to get real pissed about that. <laughs> they, oh, yeah. Look, they're vocal. They come to you. Mm-hmm. Um it just it's it's just um not as difficult as going and trying to find a real mature animal in the high country in the rocks and the crags low density um you're gonna have a war with your with your head at times in those type places because sometimes you'll go days without seeing anything and sometimes the fog will come in and you, you you're basically just sitting there with your thoughts you know trying to wait out the weather um so it's just a challenge thing, I think. I think I love how they are, especially the old ones, um, you know, very reclusive. You know, they're they're antisocial like I am antisocial. <laughs> they're they're very introverted, I feel like. Um, those real old high country bucks that live in the nastiest of places. And there's a little window where you get this opportunity to go try to find them where they'll put themselves in killable areas and you know that's like the migrations or the rut time frame and all that and i just love everything about the hunt the country that you end up finding yourself in is gnarlier than any elk hunt that i've ever been on and um again don't get too pissed off you elk hunters i love elk hunting i absolutely <laughs> love it but um if i was to pick one it'd definitely be mule deer i just i just love the, the nature of everything about them really yeah that's awesome. Yeah. And I think especially here where there's so many of them and they seem to be so dumb most of the year. Um, yeah. it's, it's hard for me to see that until, you know, you, and again, those are all the young, the young bucks, right. And, and does that are just walking around the city. I mean, I, I could have run three, two pointers over the other day, super yeah. easy. And I, yeah. I got out and took pictures cause they're, they're beautiful creatures, but you just see so many of them versus elk, at mm-hmm. least where I live you know, it's, it's a different animal completely, but I can see that, that allure of the struggle of getting up there and maybe not seeing elk or uh, deer for, you know, for days and you're up there in the cold, you're dealing with different temperatures and, and weather conditions and the food's running low, um, stuff like that. And you, you seem to enjoy the struggle. You seem to go out and find that, that challenge. And, uh, I think that's, that's awesome. Um, you know, has it always been like that for you that you've gone after challenge and struggle, or is that something that's come on as hunting's gotten a little easier for you? No, I think it's always been there. I don't know where it came from. I guess my dad, um, you know, he brought me out on my first mule deer hunt. I was very young and, um, he brought me into a wilderness area that was very nasty and he let me go. And I went off and I killed a buck. I killed my first four point buck on that trip. And he was nowhere to be found. And I ended up getting way lost, like way lost, probably should have died lost. Um, probably not the best parenting that day, but I rolled back, I think one, two o'clock in the morning, found my way back with the help of a, a drop camp that I happened to come across in a snowstorm. <laughs> so it was a, it was a weird first deer, but, um, you know, my first deer came way back deep into this wilderness area that, um, that I hadn't known, you know, much of. And, and then from there it was always, well, I just got to try to beat that. And so always just going a little bit deeper and finding these little secluded pockets. It's always been a ton of fun and challenging yourself. And that goes with bear hunting. Elk hunting is the same way, you know, um, there's places, in Washington on the coast where you don't have to make it this epic adventure. You can go out and call in bulls and and shoot young bulls often. Um, And then there's these other places where it's a ton of work and, you know, to the point of you probably need a packer or you need two or three guys on speed dial that will be able to come, you know, help you out. And so I, I went the way of like a packer, like I will, I will track down someone with horses 
because I'm nine or 10 miles in and I don't know for sure if I'll be able to get a buddy in here. So I did that for years and just um, found myself in areas. When you did that, you find yourself in areas where just people don't tend to go. And so you're hunting elk that aren't pressured. So it makes it a lot easier. You know, you don't have to be the best elk hunter in the world to kill good bulls, unpressured bulls. Um, and, and that's what I always focused on was just finding those unpressured animals. And that tends to bring you quite a few miles into the backcountry at times. Um, but yeah, it's always been like that. I can't stand truck hunting or hunting too close to a trail. Something feels weird. Or, you know, if you're seeing a lot of <laughs> tracks or whatever, um, this doesn't feel quite right. Like you haven't earned it yet. So, uh, yeah, I don't know when, but I think that must've came from my dad just, um, out of the gates brought me into some pretty wild places that's really awesome that's cool cool story and yes i I would agree it's probably not the best parenting practice especially nowadays uh yeah (laughs) you probably have you probably have a lot of people on your back if you dropped a kid off with a rifle and uh, and said go kill a buck (laughs) um and you know and you probably wouldn't even want to do that i was looking at that deer and i had no idea what to do no idea what to do because my dad wasn't there and I'd never killed him before. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a mess. I ended up cutting the neck off that thing. Like, you know, I, I found a way to drop the guts and I cut the neck off and I carried that thing. Like I didn't know to go all the way up to the base of the skull mm. and gave weight and all that. It was just dumb mistakes, but I carried that <laughs> thing the wrong direction for, for miles and miles and miles. Um, Can you imagine, you imagine yeah. walking in what the people thought walking into that camp, you know, they're oh, like, I, what's this kid doing? <laughs> they couldn't believe it. Like they didn't want me to like, they showed me a map of where I was. I was 14 years old. So mm. um, I didn't know much of anything. And this is, this is way before GPS units. There's yeah, no, so yeah. this is a long time ago. And, uh, so it was a map and a little mag light. I didn't have a light. So they gave me a mag light, which is pretty <laughs> popular at the time. And, uh, and showed me on a map where I was. Weighs like yeah. 10 pounds, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I carried that big old heavy deer head, you know, for way too many miles. <laughs> but in the end it worked out. Yeah. <clears throat> obviously you're here. <laughs> yeah, yep. but uh that's awesome man that, that's really cool um well i don't want to keep you too much longer I, I really do appreciate your time i just wanted to ask you if you um for anyone that may not know who you are or even the people that that do know who you are do you have any uh recommendations or anything as far as being a, a parent and then maybe even in the hunting side of things that you'd go into this year yeah gosh being a parent um you know, I think, I think the approach that I've taken has, has worked somehow with two young daughters, you know, just trying to get them out, um, telling your stories when they're not able to go with excitement and, uh, you know, get them interested in it somehow. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's been something that's, that's got my kids into it. It worked for me with my father and somehow, some way I have two young daughters that, when I ask them if we want to go hit the river and, and walk the bottoms for porkies or, or bunnies, you know, they want to go and go do it. And uh, I think just making it not too difficult in the beginning, um, tons and tons of snacks, and then uh, keeping their mind focused on something else other than hunting. You know, you're doing a lot of the hunting and looking, but you're also trying to get them in into it and asking them questions like, what made that there? Like, is that a buck rub? Is that a milk rub? Is that what scat is this? What kind of track is this? Always, always looking for stuff to keep them um, getting educated to what what's going on out there. And I've noticed, you know, if we if we bring a friend, there, my kids are very educated on all things tracks and and you know animals and scat. Know what to look for and know where to look. Um, but then there's kids that don't have a hunter in the group or in their family, you know, father doesn't hunt. And, you know, so this is a stuff that is so foreign to them. They have no idea. And uh, so they get a, an education when they come with us. But yeah, we take a lot of the, a lot of their friends out with us and kind of get them introed into it as well. And, awesome. you know, I don't know if I have any good advice. Uh, I'm just doing what's worked. And, and somehow I have two girls that are taken to it. One that's well on her way. And, and, um, you know, what started with 
she's taken a couple of great mule deer bucks is now turning into, you know, a fall bear hunt, which will turn into uh, an elk hunt, a fall elk hunt as well. And um, I'm not trying to throw a bunch of tags at her in any given year, but just let her go at her progression. You know, um, this year she really wanted to get a bear and that's what we're going to do. That's awesome. And for any new hunters out there, maybe um, any words of advice other than dropping your 14 year old off in the wilderness and <laughs> yeah. don't do that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably want to be a little bit more careful, but um, yeah, I don't know as far as advice, you know, I think trying to get kids into the outdoors is really, really important. Um, it's something my wife and I have taken on as a challenge recognizing that there's a lot of people that don't have mentors growing up. And so without, you know, a parent who's into the outdoors, um, it's very easy to, well, get in trouble, number one, mm -hmm. get into things you probably that aren't going to suit you. And then just be, I'll just say it on the wrong side of conservation, on the wrong side of what we do. And it's easy to see how if some, if there's a kid raised in a non-hunting family, why they're going to vote the way they do in the future. So, you know, I think educating as many people as possible to this thing, showing it to them, you know, we do our Western hunting summits every year and, and it's pretty cool to see, you know, a lot of the, the adult guys just getting into hunting, um, you know, grownups just getting into hunting. So we're, we're kind of showing them this thing that's important and valuable and, and in turn they bring their kids into it they get interested and and it's just this um this good cycle and uh, i think it's really important that we don't hide hunting um and try to cut off those that are interested in it but bringing folks in is very important for our future um the way things are going i think i think we need more people on our side so um and I recommend trying to get new guys out, you know, dedicate a little bit of your season to showing, you know, somebody who's never done it or someone who's just shown a little interest in it, taking them out, whether they hunt, they hunt or not, at least have them come with you and they understand it. And maybe they won't try to turn it off in the future. Maybe they'll actually um, be okay with it. That's exactly how I got into it. Um, a buddy of mine invited me just to go with him. I was like, sure. And then I ended up just getting hooked and I started doing all the work of, you know, researching rifles and tag allocations and all this other stuff. And, um, he's like, he's like, I've taken so many people out and it's awesome to see when it clicks and they, like, for me, I want to, I delve into it and want to do all the work. Um, and I go out and I start spotting animals that he wasn't seeing and, and stuff like that. And so it is definitely a progression. I, I love that idea of, taking people out, taking a little portion of your season. Don't take them on the, the November hunts that you go <laughs> take them on maybe like a, you know, a little porcupine hunt or an early season mule deer hunt, something like that. Um, and get them out. And, and that definitely will, something will click with at least one of those people. And, yeah. and that's awesome. I appreciate that. Well, thanks again, Ryan, um, for your time. I, I really appreciate it. It was good chatting with you and, uh, where can people find you if they want to look you up or, or your company stealthy, uh, stealthy mm -hmm. hunter. Yeah. Yeah. We got the website, stealthyhunter.com. Um, it's just got products. You know, my wife and I have, um, we've got multiple businesses going on. Um, we also run a podcast and that's the hunt harvest health podcast. I'm not too involved in that one. It's more my wife. She's the brains. She's uh, she's a doctor that knows a lot. I'm just a dumb hunter that likes to hunt. So um, I contribute to that as much as possible. But um, other than that, the old IG stealthy hunter. Um, I'm on there and then try to, I try to respond. Um, I don't do a whole lot on the, on the social media. Uh, I go in spurts, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> but that's, that's where you can find me. But, uh, cool. yep. I'll leave those links down below guys. Again, thanks Ryan for hopping on here. And, uh, guys, as I always say, get out, live your life and love it. All right. That was just an awesome conversation, you guys. I, I love speaking with Ryan. He's just a down-to-earth individual that truly live, loves living off the land, loves his family, loves teaching them good habits, doesn't want to force things uh, on his kids more than what he knows they can handle, obviously, which is kind of the job of the parent, in my opinion. 
you definitely want to make sure your kids grow. So go check out the links down below. Uh, Ryan is just an awesome guy with his wife building a, a business. And so he can spend even more time with his family and the outdoors. Uh, other than that, guys, leave a review, follow the podcast wherever you choose to follow it. Subscribe on YouTube. Really appreciate it. It's free to you guys. It helps grow the community. I love it. The growth that I'm seeing, I really appreciate it. Couldn't be done without you guys. And thank you so much. And if you have anything less than five stars to give it, please let me know the feedback. I would really appreciate it because I want to get better and I want to grow. So, and provide you guys more than anything, the content that you want to hear and see. Thank you so much again for tuning in. There's so many other podcasts you can listen to and yet you choose mine. Have a wonderful day. And of course, get out, live your life and love it.